Hello, everybody. My name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phelan McAleer. And welcome to the Anne and Phelan Scoop Daily Virus, where we discuss the latest news, views and madness of the pandemic. It's Monday, April the 20th, and we're starting week five, I think, of our lockdown. It's very hard to know. I mean, at this point, all sense of time and space is gone. Um, And we're seeing some changes, and we noticed them already on Friday, but we even saw them a lot more over the weekend with a lot more people coming out, a lot more traffic on the freeways. Um, You know, we even saw a lot of people milling around near Venice Pier this weekend. You know, and we, of course, the long arm of the law, very active. We saw uh, the cops... You know, they put on the siren, in fact, to apprehend um, a very dangerous woman, who girl, young girl who had, who had a beer, or, you know, an open carry beer, which needed, obviously, to be stopped immediately. She had it in a... In a She had it covered in a brown paper bag and whatever, and she looked like a proper person and everything. She looked all very decent, and she was having her little beer on the street, being good, social distancing, all that stuff. Uh, But no, no, the long arm of the law, they took care of her, they made her sure, and they they waited and watched and forced her to pour the beer down uh, down the drain. Um, So it's... uh, In the meantime, a few hundred yards away, hundreds of homeless people living uh, on the beach that we're not allowed to go to taking drugs, drinking, all that. It's great that they're not part of any kind of vulnerable, vulnerable population, though, Phil, right? That might be taking away all the ventilating machines when they get ill. I mean, this is it. If you, There's no point, as we've said before, on the Daily Virus and on the Allen Film Scoop, there's no point in taking all these draconian measures of flattening the curve, stopping the hospitals being overwhelmed, if you're not going to force tens of thousands of homeless people into shelter uh, away from each other because they we're doing our best to flatten the curve not to overwhelm the hospitals but if you've got 50 to 100,000 homeless people there goes there goes all the hospital beds all the hospital rooms it's pointless but massive, massive resources and time is being devoted to closing down, um, you know, skate, skating ramps. And, you know, th- I think on Twitter there was a huge thing this weekend showing the, the authorities, the massive resources that they can, ma- you know, quickly, very, very quickly marshal to close down these um, skating, skate, what are they called? Skateboard ramps or whatever they call them. Bars. A skateboard park in Venice. And they, they have the pictures with them filling it in with sand. And by the way, however much resources that took, it's going to take a lot of resources to empty that out. But in the meantime, as Phelan says, the homeless are having a great time. But in today's show... In today's show, protests across America about the shutdowns and how arbitrary and capricious they are and how numbers matter. Except when it makes America look good and Donald Trump look good, then numbers don't really matter. And, uh, you know, we'll look at numbers, Ireland versus America, very interesting numbers. And again, numbers that the media should be focusing on, but won't because they don't make Donald Trump look bad. Talking of Ireland, we're looking going to look at how Chinese uh, money and influence is going to, is influencing one of Ireland's oldest universities to examine the whole concept of academic freedom. And again, oh dear. And again, not in a good way. So, and the New York Times gets caught really badly trying to blame Fox News and Sean Hannity for a man dying of the Chinese coronavirus and then gets caught really, really badly trying to cover it up. So let's start with the protests. Uh, protests across the U.S., San Diego, Encinitas, California, Washington State, North Carolina yesterday. There's been previous protests in Austin, Texas, Salt Lake City, Utah, Boise, you know, New Jersey, California, Michigan, and you know, I think definitely these protests started off and I think are still very much about the arbitrary and capricious nature of the protest, of, of the restrictions, of the lockdowns. How in Michigan you can't go to your home in the country. How in Michigan you can't, you can 
row a boat, but you can't be in a boat with with right. motor. How in California you can be out uh, stand up paddling, and they can marshal two Coast Guard boats and about fifteen deputies, while there are literally hundreds and thousands of people living on tents on the beach, not experiencing social distancing. So. These protests are are about what's the point in our sacrifice? We're, I mean, America has ninety nine percent of America has got on board in the sacrifice, and you see it on Twitter. People, you know, saying, "Would all those journalists in New York stop writing about how people in Florida are on beaches?" Because your subway is not closed. Really, if you want to end social social interactions, close the subways in New York. It's a hot spot. It's something like a quarter of all the cases, maybe even more. Your subways are still open. You're crowding people into metal containers underground. Uh, but you, you, you New York journalists are spending all this time attacking people. And we'll see that the New York Times is, is attacking uh, Sean Hannity and Fox News. We'll come to that later. So numbers. Let's let's talk about numbers. So I'm really obsessed with the numbers, and I think, um, unfortunately, and it's interesting. And, and numbers matter, by the way, and numbers matter a lot. And by the way, this story is dominated by numbers. So every time you hear anything about the coronavirus, someone's quoting some number about something somewhere about, about peop- the number of people who've died, the number of people who've infected, a member of tests, everything like that. And I just think it's really important for those of you who are who want to get to the true story of the numbers. First thing I'd ask you to do is really some good information is out there available and for free. Go to World O Meter World worldometer.com where you can get the numbers and it's really instructive. So here's what matters. What really matters is the numbers of dead per million. Not the absolute number of dead because obviously that's not comparing oranges with fruit or whatever, apples or whatever they they like to say, you know. Um, So what you need to do is you need to look at the deaths per million. Interestingly enough and bizarrely and not at all bizarrely but very disappointingly, the world's media, not just the US media, but the world's media are focused on the fact that the US number is very large and they're like, the US number tops all the world numbers, that the US number is so big. But then, of course, there is the little detail of the fact that there's quite a large population here, whatever, 330 million. So let's get to the real numbers. Let's get to the ma- the, ma- the numbers that matter. The numbers of deaths per million. And by the way, you know, even if I sound a little bit flippant there, every death diminishes all of us, as the, what, as the poem says. I mean, it's an awful thing, and it's terrible that anybody has to die because of this virus, which, of course, was caused, you know, came out of China, and we still don't know. And you, when you talk about numbers, very interesting, yeah, the Chinese numbers. But you won't believe this. I mean, I, I you know, it, and it's really, really worth digging into the numbers. What country, and, you know, I'm going I'm to tell you the answer very quickly, but what, num- what country in the world has the highest death rate on the planet Earth? And that's a, either a country or a, re- or a principality. Um... What country has the highest number? And, I, you know, you're all guessing away there, Italy and all of that. No, the answer is San Marino. San Marino, which is uh, a small republic, but it's landlocked. It's a landlocked small republic in Italy. And, of course, obviously, Italy has the huge numbers. So San Marino, and actually one of the things they're doing in San Marino now because of the fact that their numbers are so high. And, you know, then why are the numbers, the hi- why are the, numbers in the, wor- the highest numbers in the world in- concentrated in this place? Obviously, the fact that it's in Italy doesn't help. I think there's also, and who knows, you know, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't come out yet about all, all of these numbers. One of the other things about San Marino, huge amount of, huge amount of testing, but also a very old pop- population. But where does America come in here? Where does America come in in this list of the most deaths per million? Number 13. Um, so th- 
it's interesting that the news, the the New York Times, for example, you know, CNN doesn't say, you know, as you know, as we're doing, as we're going forward in this coronavirus and this awful pandemic, America isn't doing too badly because you compare it with all these other countries that go ahead on that list of thirteen. But yeah. going out there, for so me. I mean. We can't phone home to Ireland without somebody saying, uh, you know, without somebody saying, oh, they're making a, Trump's making a big mess of it over there in America. Oh, you're really messing up. Listen to Ireland and listen to all you other countries like Sweden and Belgium. Like Belgium has the worst figures of them all uh, for a major country. Yeah, you know, not like San Marino, Monaco, some of these small little countries where figures can be skewered. Uh, Belgium has, has an appalling death rate. But, but Ireland... Ireland has 124 deaths per million. The United States of America has 122. Ireland has a higher death rate than America. That, that is a fact. That is a mathematical fact. Now, and the, but the media will always go for this headline large number of deaths, right? Uh, for, exa- you know, for example, America has 20,000. De- oh, sorry, America has more than four. America has more than 40,000 deaths now, and Ireland has 610. Sounds like a big difference. It is, obviously, but America has this huge population. And we were speaking to someone today, and it's not as if the world's media doesn't understand this per million concept or the large population concept. Because when Donald Trump, President Donald Trump said, we have done the most tests of everyone in the world, the media immediately said, well, yes, of course you have, because we have one of the largest populations of the world. You know, you've got to do it per capita, how many tests per capita. Uh, but they won't do that about deaths per capita. Yeah, so exactly. So it's not like, because that was one of the things that I was thinking, like, you know, if you're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, you think, okay, well, maybe they don't get this per capita thing. No, they get the per capita thing really, really well. They just want all their stories to be negative about America. But I love this, and I think this is also important when you dig into these numbers. And we're going to be looking at more of this as we go forward, and also looking at the timeline of events, because that's another thing that keeps coming up over and over again, of what did Donald Trump do when and how quickly and all of that, and how other countries were better or worse or whatever. But of course, invariably, everyone was better except for Donald Trump is the worst ever. But here's an interesting one. When you look at the deaths per million that are of reported, the numbers that are being reported into these um, institutions, where does China come into the number? And I mean, honestly, this is where you need to really put, this is, you know, back again to this point that we make over and over again about that the media are being intentionally, intentionally dishonest, intentionally dishonest. China has num- is number 85 in the number of deaths per million. So China's death toll is the 85th on the planet Earth. And they are reporting three deaths, three per million. By the way, up until, what, four days ago, Phelan, that was one death per million that they were reporting. The only reason it's jumped dramatically is they've gone and said, oopsie, we made a mistake, and actually 50% more people died in Wuhan than we had previously reported. This is who they are, the Chinese. The idea, by the way, that China is not number one and San Marino is number two, or wherever San Marino might be, but I can tell you one thing. The idea that China is number 85, what utter rubbish. And just to give you kind of an idea of, and you can look these numbers up because I think it is worth looking at. World-O-Meter on the coronavirus section. Yeah, the coronavirus section of World-O-Meter, and it's really fascinating. And what you can do is you go to the top of each of the categories, and if you hit the top of the category, it'll give you, you know, that number, that particular um, data set uh, sequentially. So here's the number of, here's here's the the rundown of the top 13 countries um, at the moment. So San Marino, as I said, is number one, unfortunately. 
unfortunately. Belgium then, Belgium at the moment is the, you know, as film says, the worst f- country uh, for deaths. Next to that is Andorra. Belgium, Belgium has 490. Uh, then you've got Andorra, which is a small principality between uh, Spain and France. That's 466. Very small country. Spain, 437 a million. Italy, 391 per million. Uh, France, 302. UK, 237. Then you've got San Martin, which is 233. Then you've got Netherlands, 215. Switzerland, 161. Then you've got Sweden, 152. Then you've got Ireland at 124. And then you've got the United States at 122. So you've got Belgium at 490 and the United States at 122 per million. And the Europeans, all our European friends, are saying, God, you've really messed up there in America. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to your own media. Don't listen to it. We're, we're, we, need, we have a lot of work to do, but this is not by any means the worst country of all. Yeah, and in fact, obvious, I mean, obviously, um, uh, Donald Trump, the President of the United States, must be doing something right to have the numbers so relatively small compared to, to all these other countries. So, you know, you, you just, we just need to dig into them. But there's a great story, another great story from Ireland. Talking of Ireland, great story from Ireland. Talk, talking of Ireland, yes. So, University College Dublin, which is, you know, the, the, one of the oldest universities in Ireland and was the first Catholic university. Uh, in Ireland, because Trinity College was the Protestant university. It's a long story. I'm sure many of our listeners out there know it only too well. We always, we, I always love getting schooled on Irish history. But that's the great thing of having this podcast is that the people who are listening are, you know, have so many varied interests and are so interested in many things that they, 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 they'll be able to tell me now the history of UCD better than I could tell you. Correct. But University College Dublin, the first Catholic university formed in, uh, founded by Cardinal Newman, or it was a huge figure in it. Uh, a, a huge institution in the United States. So they um, they have been just looking again at all their codes of ethics and their the raison d'etre. So they they announced this proposed change to their uh, to their policies, and they um, they decided you know maybe we should look at this whole academic freedom thing. Like you know okay, academic freedom's great, but. Maybe they maybe they should look again, and they proposed this that academic could change the academic freedom policy to allow for quote different interpretations close quotes of the concept due to the universities uh, due to the, to, 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 to that should people academics at UCD must consider consider the quote the risk of tension quote close quotes between its obligations to uphold academic freedom and quote the strategic imperative to internationalize higher education, close quote. Isn't that lovely? The strategic imperative to, to internationalize higher education. That sounds like they're bringing the gift of education as a gift from the Irish. Remember, Ireland sent out saints and scholars, mm-hmm. missionaries in the 5th, and in the 6th, in the 7th century. We, we brought Christianity to Europe and, you know, you know, bringing international education across the thing. What this means is China is putting an awful, a shit, shed load of money, <laughs> a shed load of money. I do not say anything else. A shed load of money. A shed load of money into University College Dublin. They're setting up a Confucius Center. They're they're partnering with colleges in China. They're partnering with all these other places, and they're also also one third of UCD. Students are now international students who pay enormous sums in fees, and of course, a lot most of those are, are Chinese students. So they do not want to 
jeopardize this money. So they're they're re- they're suggesting redefining what academic freedom means to 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 you know to, to you know to, you know everyone's got different divergent uh, ideas of academic freedom. And uh, you know you should policies should allow for different different interpretations. So um, go ahead. I, lo- I love that line. You know, it's important to be aware that different interpretations of academic freedom may arise in other jurisdictions where Irish law does not apply. Yeah, where Irish law does not apply. You know, in other jurisdictions. You know, let me think of a jurisdiction film. I'm going to really have to think about this. But there might be a jurisdiction, for example, where of up until quite recently, by the way. Oh, if you got pregnant with a second child, oh, we'd have to force you to have an abortion. That'd be like a slightly different jurisdiction, wouldn't it, Philip? Yes. But we should we respect that, though, anyway? Sure, anyway. Well, can I just say, academic freedom has got nothing to do with Irish law. There's no law that says you have to have academic freedom. I don't, you know, there's no law in Irish legislation. There's no law in American legislation. You have to have academic freedom. You you would have you wouldn't have a university. It wouldn't it wouldn't be considered a proper university if you don't have academic freedom. Which is why most people don't consider a lot of universities uh, universities anymore. But it's not a law thing. It's not. It's it, it's about creating a university where research and progress happen because you've got the freedom to think outrageous things and to think outrageous scientific things and think outside the box but you know you, what you don't what you create when you when you mess with academic freedom is 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 propaganda outlets not a propaganda school not a, not a, a not a academic uh, progressive school well, what happened then, Phil? Did they get into trouble? Did did UCD have to change anything or do anything different, or did they get caught out? Well, yes. I mean, it was a proposed draft, and to be fair, many of the academics at UCD fought back and and have managed to persuade them to scrap the draft. But I think the message has gone out to academics. By the way, you know, if you're a professor and you're looking for that head of department role, uh, you know. Uh, you know, will you be so keen to publish unpopular research now? Will you? I mean, because, you know, I don't see how, how, how that, you know, the word has gone out now from the administration. This is where the money's coming from. This is what's keeping this university going now. We sent this do- document out. Okay, we'll pull it back now. But you be, let me tell you, Sonny, Jim, uh, if you want to rock the boat, you'll not be progressing in this university. And people applying for jobs, you know, would... Would you want to do a PhD now on freedom in China and then apply for a job at UCD? I don't think so. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think one of the things, as I, said, I think we said this before, you know, is that one of, you know, something, something good that will come out of this pandemic will be a, com- a realization of the power and control that China has started to wield and started to have in places people weren't aware of before. Um, and I think, you know, Professor Ferreter um, said of this, of this decision at UCD said, the decision to host a Confucius Institute had already led to worrying compromises, given the Chinese government does not respect academia academic freedom on its own soil and we're certainly clear that the Chinese government do not respect a lot a lot of freedoms and a lot of academic uh, excellence on their own soil and we're so aware of that with what's happened right now because if they did if they really cared about ac- about academic freedom about ac- academic excellence um, and scientific excellence. They'd have let every team of scientists from all over the world get in and find out everything that's happened in Wuhan. And this is what they haven't done. And the whole world, the whole world is suffering. Uh, the whole world is suffering a pandemic. The whole world is closed down. And millions of people, millions of people are impoverished. Um, 
you know, thousands of people are dead, tens of thousands of people are dead, but millions of people have been impoverished. Um, and I think at the end of all this, what's, what needs to happen is there needs to be a reckoning. Well, talking of a reckoning, Confucius say, don't trust New York Times. And, uh, and we don't need a Confucius Institute to tell us that. So the New York Times, yes, have been caught, like they have been collared super badly. So there was a big article today in the Sunday, uh, in, sorry, in yesterday's uh, New York Times, um, fake news and a possibly ill-fated trip uh, and about this bar owner in New York who was taking a cruise uh, at the beginning of January but didn't know whether to go. And then he heard Sean Hannity on Fox News say um, everything's under control and there's a quote from Sean Hannity and that persuaded him to go on the cruise. He came back, he died and Fox News... Uh, Ipso facto, Sean Hannity killed a gentleman from New Jersey. Is that correct? Brooklyn. From Brooklyn, it's even worse. Yes, it is. Yes, from Brooklyn, it's even worse. And uh, blood on his hands, in fact. So then, uh, then we, then, of course, then someone noticed the actual quote from Sean Hannity was actually nine days after the guy went on the cruise. So he'd already gone on the cruise when Sean Hannity said these words. So, so, so have the New York Times made an apology then, Phelan? Confucius say New York Times not apologized to Fox News. New York Times, New York, Confucius say New York Times never apologize for big mess up. Yes, so Confucius say the New York Times then, how do you get around that? So what they did was they, they, they still have the story and then in a comment that they later got from Fox News, they say a spokesman for Fox News said Mr. Handy made statements taking the spread of coronavirus seriously early on and that his comment about the public being scared by the coverage happened after the Joyce's left on their cruise. In other words, New York Times, your story above is completely wrong. It's not enough to throw in this comment. Uh, and uh, you know it actually destroys, that's a fact they're saying. They're saying your story is factually wrong and you have to say, well, is that true or not? And go back through the archive. But you, know, you can't have a story that has this bit at the top and the bit saying factually that is wrong at the bottom. You you are reporters, not stenographers. You should check the evidence. And the reason you didn't was because uh, you know that it's not true. Then You don't then, want the facts to get away in the way of a good story. Or a good headline or a good attack. Confucius say, don't let headline, don't let truth get in the way of good attack on Fox News. Um, <laughs> so then what I, what I particularly like is the author is Gila, Gina Belafante, um, who accused... Fox News and Sean Hannity have downplaying uh, the coronavirus and sending this man off to his death. I think it was something like fifteen days after uh, he went on his uh, on his. Uh, or, okay, I, I can't remember many days after after he went on his cruise. The uh, Miss Belafonte wrote in a tweet: "I fundamentally don't understand the panic." She's talking about the coronavirus here. Incidence of the disease is declining in China. I'm not sure about the grammar, Gina, but, you know, you know, <laughs> we need to go in and stealth out of that, Gina, just like you did with the previous thing. Incidence of the disease is declining in China. Virus is not deadly in vast majority of cases. Productions and so all will slow down and will obviously rebound, you know. So she doesn't understand the panic, but, but, but Sean Hannity was supposed to panic and tell this guy... Um, that he shouldn't go on the, on the cruise, but the guy didn't. You know, so maybe Gina, maybe he read the New York Times t uh, Twitter account and saw Gina Belafonte and, and thought, oh, I'm okay then. I should go on the cruise. Maybe it's Gina Belafonte who has blood on her hands. Confucius say, maybe it's true. 
It's a little bit like that thing that they used to have years ago, you know, love is never having to say you're sorry. It's like New York Times is never having to say you're sorry. So that's us for today. And stay safe out there. Be well and keep in touch and give us a rating on the podcast app. Yes, go to the Apple Podcast. Please give us a rating. Leave a comment. By the way, uh, this is a daily, the Daily Virus. It's a shorter 15, 20 minutes that we could never keep to 15 or 20 minutes uh, daily program. But every Wednesday, we release the Alan Film Scoop, which is a 45 minute to an hour long podcast. You won't want to miss this, week. this week's. We've got some great guests uh, Molly Hemingway, Mark Morano, Molly Hemingway of The Federalist, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Morano of uh, Climate Depot. It is a very, very, going to be a very, very interesting episode with very, very interesting comments from these wonderful journalists. So please stay safe, keep well, and see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Bye. Thank you. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye.